Rhino Dick. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. The Eagles win it. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. James Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Welcome to the Pac-12 and Mountain West uh, preview episodes here of the Walk On Red Shirts podcast. As always, I am your host, Aaron, and with me, my co-hosts, Jake and intern Gibble. Uh, Before we get into our previews and the news, uh, as always, how are you guys doing? Pretty phenomenal. Can't complain. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wow, that's bold. (laughs) What's wrong with you, Gibble? I mean, a lot, but we're not going to go into that. Nobody wants to hear about your personal <laughs> problems on here. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about your personal life. Well, thanks. Thanks. We didn't, we didn't need to go that far, but. I mean, we did. But, you know, here we are. I'm about to, I'm drinking a Mad Tree Shade today. So we'll see how this is. It is a blackberry tart ale with sea salt. Way too complicated for me. Uh, well, I'm glad it's an ale because if it was an IPA, I'd request you get some water. You got to hydrate. I do have a case of water outside my room. I did get tested for Rona this week and I came back negative. Mm, that's a shame. <laughs> I know. I wish I would have had three days off work. <laughs> they told me to take two days off work just because. <sighs> God. Uh, us, Gibble, us how about you? Employees. I mean, we've got soccer on today. Christian Politics scored. That's what matters. Every That's week true. you sit here and you talk about <laughs> soccer on the football podcast. Okay. And if we weren't 400 miles away, I'd slap the shit out of you. That's because it's the sport that's on uh, often, a lot. There's you been realize so much hockey time. and basketball are both on right now, too, well, right? But, yeah, we'll switch over. It's the FA Cup final right now, and we have an American playing in the game. We have Americans playing in other sports, too. Not just an American, but he is a local hero for us who all come from Central PA. Yeah, right down the road in Hershey. The kid's 15 minutes away is where he grew up. Yep. We have very very few of those in Central Pennsylvania, so we have to take uh, some pride when they come around. Exactly. Do you guys remember when we were in high school and our high school played? uh, Barely. Yeah, I know. I barely remember high school. But do you remember Dakota Royer, the uh, kid that was like a four-star, like All-State, like was going to Penn State? Yeah. I remember when we played him, and I thought he was about to be the local hero, and then he flamed out at Penn State. Yeah, there was a couple of those guys. <laughs> but somehow the walk-on Graham Zug like, made like actually playing time. He <laughs> walk on from the local area and was the only one that could actually do anything. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, yeah, no, I mean, hockey's back. I, I admittedly probably won't watch a lot of hockey cause the ducks didn't make the, uh, bubble, but, um, so I'll probably watch the Stanley cup, maybe a few things here and there. I am currently watching my heat play. So it's nice to have basketball back. 
uh, college football. We'll see what happens there, but um, I don't really want to talk about it because every day I kind of flip between being positive and negative on the situation. But um, we'll I give see. up. I give up in trying to predict at this point. Yeah, we've officially hit August. If it happens, it happens. We'll get into the news with the Pac-12, the SEC, and the ACC. Uh, some big announcements this past week. But, um, yeah, actually, we'll just send it straight over to you, Gibble, for uh, for some news. All right. Well, we'll start off with the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, so the MAAC, uh, not to be confused with the MAC, and the Big West. Both conferences announced that they're canceling fall sports Um they're not sure at this point if they're going to be pushed to the spring or not. Uh, so both of those are up in the air. Meanwhile, the ACC has uh, set their 11-game fall football schedule. They set the opponents that they're going to have everybody playing, but they didn't actually set out the full schedule yet. Uh, and this does include Notre Dame in that schedule. Um, the Pac-12 approved a 10-game conference slate with an actual schedule. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and the sec is set to play a 10 game conference only football schedule. Um, both the PAC 12 and the sec are starting on September 26th, uh, this season. So ACC gets Notre Dame. You've missed the biggest thing in there. Yeah. Notre Dame's eligible to win the ACC. Not only are they in there, they can win it. Right, that's important. They can also represent the conference in the Orange Bowl. Uh, they can if, play in the conference championship, which is insane. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That is uh, first time. First time for this ever, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, no, that's that's a big deal. We said it all along. That was what was going to happen. I don't know why people questioned it for such a long time. Um, also, a big thing for the ACC, people wondering why they would do this. Um, all Notre Dame's even included in it, but all um, schools are sharing profits entirely, and that includes Notre Dame's um, NBC money um, for games played on there. So uh, that's going to bring quite a bit of revenue that's needed for the ACC this upcoming uh, season. So that's a big reason why Notre Dame's included in there. Um, still pissed. I called it, but I'm still pissed that Miami has to go travel to Clemson, uh, in this new schedule. I wasn't supposed to happen for another year or two. Uh, and I am pretty bummed that we aren't going to get Notre Dame Miami, which I do understand is distance related, but still, um, a shot to get that rivalry in there would have been nice. Um, still my ACC, obviously all conference games are allowing for the plus one, which who knows what's going to happen with that. now, uh, with the sec essentially pulling out uh i don't know if any acc teams off the top of my head have big 12 uh opponents scheduled um it does obviously affect um i think four teams in the acc louisville uh clemson florida state and georgia tech in terms of rivalries with sec schools and then i think also north carolina was set to play auburn this year uh so at least five schools there are affected by that but um if they choose to continue they should be able to play a group of five schools if they choose or an fcs opponent or they could end up just skipping that all together and uh doing similar to what the pac-12 and the sec have done two things the only thing i i found from the acc big 12 is florida state and west virginia were supposed to play that's the only game that I can see that might have been a crossover. Two, uh, I, like you said, we all predicted that Notre Dame was going to join. I didn't think they would go as far to let them 
join essentially and play in the conference title game. I thought they would just say, here's your games. If you win them, you win them. If you don't, you don't. And whatever happens to you after that is up to you. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think that's sort of the trade off there is Notre Dame saying, look, if you want our, if you want our money and our profits added in, like we have to have some incentive to the season in terms of winning a championship or something like that, you know, if we're going to play a full schedule. So I think there was a bit of a trade off there um, between the two. And, and I think it makes sense for both. I know, and I'm a long term person saying, you know, Notre Dame, if they don't want to join full time, screw them. But uh, I mean, it makes sense in the the predicament everybody's kind of stuck in right now. So I hate Notre Dame, but right now with 2020, I'm rooting for them to win the conference because I think it would just be very funny at this point. Nope. I hope Clemson steamrolls them twice this year. I like that option better. Uh, Notre Dame doesn't need nice things. They don't need a conference championship. <laughs> no, that's hey, just I don't. I don't wish mean things upon you. I don't like you. That's that's not I, at all you accurate. You do though. You you do. So I don't. It's <laughs> daily. <laughs> <laughs> eh. Tomato, and, tomato. Uh, anyway, uh, well, with the Pac-12 too. I mean, they actually released full schedules, uh, which is we talked about it before we started recording. The first time the Pac-12 has done anything smart uh, is is being completely out ahead of this. Um, giving themselves a couple extra weeks in, in the schedule and stuff like that, that if they need to move things around, they can. Um, so hey, shout out to the PAC 12. Nobody's going to get to watch any of your games on your stupid network. That doesn't exist, but Hey, at least you got, at least you got a schedule out for the season. That makes sense. Yeah. And they made it smart with, um, the way they have buys kind of staggered in it. So they definitely have this played out the right way. Um, They've got a couple fail safes in in case the Rona hits any specific teams and needs to delay anything. So they let the smart uh, people of Cal and Stanford handle handle it, and that was the right way to go. And uh, with the SEC, last thing, uh, some people, not me, definitely not me, I would never say this, are saying that the SEC is just scared of the ACC. I mean, that's why they didn't want to add that extra game in there. Again, I'm not the one saying that. Some people are. Just wanted to put it out there. Terrified of Pitt, Syracuse, and Boston College. Well, those are teams that they weren't playing, so I don't know why you brought those Georgia three Tech. into the equation. Yeah, Georgia Tech. That's who everybody's scared of. Yep. And Florida, Florida State, State right man, now. <laughs> without Willie Taggart. Ah, that's terrifying. That's actually a good team. Yeah. No, that is that is one of the negatives. Uh, they're going to be losing some of those rivalry games because of the uh, non-conference here. So we won't have that Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, all those games. Uh, or Clemson, South Carolina, that's the other one. I think that had a 111-year streak of being played, and that's going to come to an end. You yeah, Louisville and Kentucky in there as well. That's the other one. No, I was forgetting one. All right, so moving on here a little bit. Um the NCAA uh, has also announced that they're going to allow all major college football teams to begin their seasons as early as August 29th. So that week zero um, schools can now utilize that to play games if they want to. Um, it seems like most are pushing things back into September, at least a week or two uh, rather than pushing anything up. But I guess the NCAA is trying to do something. 
Oklahoma has pushed their schedule up because they're trying to build in additional bye weeks. So they're planning to try to play their first game August 29th, play a bye week immediately after that, and then try to build an additional bye weeks and stretch the schedule out. That way, if there is anything, they can have bye weeks and they can quarantine the team for however long, if necessary. Yeah, they have those uh, the first five weeks of the season. They only have three games in there. So um, you could see some other teams doing that. We don't have any idea what the Big 12 is doing yet. So we'll kind of stand by on that. Um, The NCAA made another announcement where uh, they're allowing college athletes to wear patches on their uniforms to honor causes that they support, uh, including social justice initiatives uh, and the NCAA panel paneling rules oversight panel or playing rules oversight panel. Uh, They announced that on Thursday. Um, So this means players can now wear a patch on the front of their uniform and they can also on the back of the uniform, change their name um, if they want to, to commemorate, uh, something that they stand for uh, or want to kind of bring notice to so they can do names, mascots, nicknames, logos, any kind of marks. Um, so like you're seeing with the NBA, um, you can put Black Lives Matter on the back of your jersey if you want to um, and any other cause that, that you get you support at this point. Um, so that's a, a good thing that the NCAA is actually doing. They're finally trying to not be complete dirtbags. They're just only 90% dirtbags at this point. Yeah. 90, yeah. 95. <laughs> Let's not give them that much. 90's credit. generous. <laughs> They've done one thing right. So, yeah, we'll give them that. And Those then they counteract giving, every bad thing they've done. So, no, absolutely not. They do a lot more bad. All right. Um, the Indiana Hoosiers resumed their workouts this past week uh, after they had their two-week pause uh, due to the positive corona tests. Um, Nine Windiana. Not this year. Sure. Not, <laughs> and definitely not last year. <laughs> we'll be back. Well, like uh, five Windiana. That's a Burn. good I get, I get bullied on this podcast. <laughs> you get bullied. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, um, Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley, uh, who is projected first rounder in the 2021 NFL draft, he's opting out of this coming season due to coronavirus. Um, he said, I'm opting out due to uncertain health conditions and regulations and all other opt outs in football right now. Um, along with him, Illinois senior running back Ravon uh, Bonner is also going to sit out. Uh, due to Corona health concerns um, as well as Illinois senior offensive lineman, Jake Kearney. Uh, But his is not related to uh, any health concerns. So I think this is a trend we're going to start seeing. We could see some more players who are high profile, don't want to maybe risk anything sitting out, but I guess we'll see more of that. I think while football is still tentatively scheduled to go, the teams that are expected to do really well, your Ohio State, your Clemson's, your Alabama's, uh, I think you'll see most of them still plan to play. Virginia Tech was not expected to be super good this year. They were expected to potentially contend for their division title, but not a national title. I think the mid-tier, lower-level teams that have 
high profile guys, you could see somebody opt out. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong on this. I could certainly be wrong on this, but I think your highest level teams, you're not going to see anybody opt out to start at least. I think the longer it gets pushed back, then you'll start to see more guys opt out. Yeah, same. Uh, I, I think you'll end up with uh, a lot of guys that might be seeing mock drafts and stuff like that and then projected first, maybe second rounders. Um, after seeing a lot of the NFL guys, I know like six Patriots players opted out and six or seven in the last week. Um, once they started to see NFL guys start to opt out and now MLB players are opting out and all this stuff. Um, I think you'll see a sense of more guys like Farley that decide, Hey, you know, seven wins out of a 10 game schedules and uh, a minor bowl game or something like that. It's not enough for me to, to do this. I, I think there was some family stuff in there as well with Farley. Um, as well, that kind of pushed him more towards uh, opting out. Uh, you'll see some guys. I, I don't know if you'll see a lot. Um, maybe some smaller named guys, uh, obviously, like we saw with Illinois running back, um, that may opt out as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Jake. I don't necessarily think we're going to see major guys at top 10 schools and stuff like that decide to opt out. Uh Crosses fingers, hopes Rousseau stays at Miami. Uh, that doesn't opt out. <laughs> I, I don't think you'll see any of the guys that are projected to have teams that will be super good this year or, uh, you know, have the expectations of having a breakout year. Um, you know, Russo had a really good year last year, for instance, and you know, if he was to play, you know, he was projected to be the Chase Young of this year of going for, you know, 19 sacks or whatever, 18 sacks, 16 sacks, and you know, being in the Heisman Heisman competition, if Miami was going to be at eight or nine wins this year in a 10-game season. Uh, so I don't think you're going to see the Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields opt out just yet. If the schedule continues to get pushed back, let's say they start in, in like October at this point or start pushing it back even further, then that's when I think you'll see some of these bigger guys opt out. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, kind of, I guess, bide your time, see what, what the whole scene's going to look like before you make the decision. Everybody's punting until you can't punt any further. Yep. <laughs> you either got to make a decision and go for it or you're punting. And everybody's just, well, essentially everybody it's second and 25 and everybody did a halfback draw to see where they could get. <laughs> and everybody got nine yards and go, Hmm, should we go for first down or should we play it safe and punt it away? Yeah, and that's where we're at right now. That's exactly where we're sitting. All they right. are quite literally sitting at their own one-yard line, first and ten, and just running the Woody Hayes three yards <laughs> of a cloud of dust the whole way down the field, hoping to get to the end zone. What's wrong with that style? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> you don't that's like some Illinois-Iowa noon football? Uh, more like Iowa Northwestern. It's a great football game with Beth Bowens calling the game. Oh, gosh. All right. On that note, we need to get out of here. Uh, switching over to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, uh, they have announced a six-year contract extension through the 2025 season for Lincoln Riley. Um, definitely a good move for both parties there. Um, Oklahoma need to keep him around and hope that he doesn't leave for the NFL. 
sooner than later. Because that does also feel pretty inevitable. He was very heavily linked this past offseason. Um, didn't end up going, so now he's back and got an extension. I for sure thought he was going to be the Cowboys coach. I think everybody did. Yep. The writing was on the wall with that one. Yeah. Then I mean, he still Mike could McCarthy. be one day. Mike McCarthy is going to get fired in like three years, so, you know, he still could be one day. Let's not give up hope, guys. I always hope for the Cowgirls to lose every game. It's okay. my favorite. Keep going. That's all the news we got. Nice. Well, Gibble, how many times have I told you what to do? And how uh, many times have I been right when I tell you what to do? Probably a good number. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and what have I been telling you to do the last three weeks? Sign up for Athlete T. And I'm guessing what you haven't done yet, have you? You would be correct in your assumption. And it's really simple, Gibble. Athlete designers come up with a unique design every month. They put it on a shirt to match it. They change it up every so often. So like we say, you're not just getting T-shirts. You're getting long sleeves. You're getting polos. You're getting hoodies. You never know what you're going to get. I hope they're not giving you hoodies in July because it was 95 degrees for the last couple of weeks. So you'll probably get some nice polos. You do need some new polos for golf and Gibble. We do know you love to golf. Yep. It's all high quality stuff and never 100% cotton. Sign up by the middle of the last day of the month and you'll get your package shipped to you the week of the 15th. Use promo code REDSHIRT and get 20% off your next order. All right, let's hop right into the Pac-12 preview here. And as we've done every other week, uh, we'll just go alphabetically down the line here. Uh, we will start off here with the Arizona Wildcats. They win 4-8 and eight last year. Uh, 14 returning starters, six on offense, six, eight on defense. Uh, offensively, they ranked 30th in the country last year in total yards. Defensively, they ranked 120th, um, which is Not why good. you lose eight games. Um, how many games? And, and here, here's the thing: it might take us a little extra time, but to look at the schedules that actually released this week, how many games do you think it'll take the Wildcats to break their current seven-game losing streak? Uh, okay, so they're not going to beat Arizona State, and they're probably not going to beat Washington. And those are the first two games. Uh, Colorado is their third game. Uh, I'll go Colorado. I think they could beat Colorado. They have Colorado at home. Uh, so I'll say their third game of the year is when they beat Colorado. Grant Gunnell is coming back. Uh, he split last year with Khalil Tate. Uh, he actually did pretty well. Like you said, their offense was pretty good for the most part, ranking 30th in the country. Um, and, you know, they return a fair amount on offense, enough where they should be able to continue to score. The question, again, is going to be their defense. And I feel like that's kind of been a question for Kevin Sumlin his entire coaching career is that his defense has been subpar for everything. So I'm not super confident that they're going to win more than maybe three games this year. But I'll take Colorado as their win, where they break the streak. Yeah, honestly, I was going to go for the same thing. Uh, if, if they Switch lose it up, Col- be something different. I mean, uh, that's where I'm going. Uh, if they lose to Colorado, I don't think they're beating USC. I don't think they're beating Utah. So Oregon State would probably be the next logical team for them to, to get a win against in week seven. Um, so let's go with that just to be different. Let's say they continue losing until they get to Oregon State. If somehow they don't manage Colorado or Oregon State, I think the only other winnable game on the schedule is UCLA. 
I agree. Depending on what the defense ultimately looks like um, and questions entirely across the board with this team, um, I think Utah could be a winnable game for them as well, depending on what the Utes look like, having lost so much talent uh, for a school that doesn't, you know, recruit uh, that four or five stars all the time. Um, might be a little bit, especially this where you're not having a true offseason um, so that, that could potentially be a, a winnable upset game there. But yeah, I don't think they'll beat Arizona State week one. I don't think they'd beat Washington either. Um, I think it's Washington, up in Seattle too. So even though there's no fans, you still have to travel to Seattle. Yeah, so Colorado, Utah is possibly winnable. Oregon State, um, UCLA, Stanford maybe too. There's winnable games on there if they can get a, a solid defense. I, th- I do think Grant Gunnell is a, a pretty talented quarterback they have there. It's a shame that Khalil Tate, after the seven games, he was the greatest college football quarterback of all time. Never really lived up to that anymore after injury started to kind of hamper him down. But, but Gunnell is a pretty good quarterback there with Kevin Zumlin. If they can get defensive um, production there on that side of the ball, they can win a couple games. But I'm with you. I don't, I don't see them winning more than three in a, a ten-game schedule here. I have a question for you guys with Kevin Sumlin having a $5 million buyout this year and with everything going on, do you think that he gets fired or there's any way he gets fired? I think that with everything going on, it's going to be much harder to fire coaches. I'm not sure if they can fork up $5 million to fire him. I think they might bring him back, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he'll be back. I I don't, uh, unless a team just goes like oh and 10 or something like that it's hard for me to envision many schools that have more than like a two million dollar buyout for a coach um pennying up that in order to do it unless unless you can get a lot of money from boosters and stuff like that to pay for all that stuff pay all that stuff off um I, i'd find it a hard hard thing to see happen yeah i agree i don't i don't see them really paying that just the state of everything that's just a ton of money to commit. And when everybody's getting hit in one way or another, you're not going to have fans in the stands. You're losing a ton of revenue. It, it's just a, a, like, I think unless they go Oh, for 10, the whole season, they're just not gonna, I don't think you, you fire him for that. Yeah, I agree. You're going to need somebody to pony up and pay that or else he's back for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, going to their, uh, in-state rival with the Arizona State Sun Devils uh, and Gibble's new favorite team. Second uh, favorite. Nope, new favorite. Uh, okay. He's no longer an Ohio State fan. Good, good uh, uh, Thanks, Thanks to our, our good listeners and followers on Twitter for, for deciding that for him. Um, we decided there could only be one Ohio State fan on the podcast, and he lost out. So, shame. Uh, 12 returning starters on this team, four on the offensive side, eight on defense. Offense ranked 94th in the country last year. Defensively, they were 67th. Um, I actually have two questions for the Sun Devils. They went eight and five last year, by the way. Um, can Jane Daniels and the offense take a step forward uh, after even after losing Eno Benjamin and Brandon Ayuk? Uh, Benjamin accounted for a lot of carries and touches. Uh, in that Arizona State offense last year, a real workhorse. And Brandon Ayuk, obviously a first-round wide receiver. I I like Daniels a lot, but with losing those two guys, it, it doesn't feel like there's going to be an instant replacement there at 
Arizona State. I think Daniels is going to have a good year, but I don't think you're going to see explosive playmakers like you know Benjamin and Brandon Ayuk because you know Benjamin broke records. Ayuk was the nation's leader in yards after catch, uh, so I think they're going to take a slight step backwards on offense. But I think you're going to see progression from Jaden Daniels by the end of the year. I think you'll see him mature and get a lot better. I mean, he started as a true freshman and played very well as a true freshman. So they struggled on offense at times. Uh, I think they're going to be a little bit more uh, complete, a little bit more uh, balanced, I guess is the word I'm looking for, on offense. Uh, And I think you'll see Daniels be a little bit more of the focal point this year. Yeah, Daniels had a lot of promise after last season. Um, Threw two picks in 338 pass attempts. which was uh, nobody posted a lower interception rate than he did in the country. Um, along with their defense, uh, forced an average of 1.54 fumbles per game. Um, both of those stats lead a lot, lead to be a lot of promise going into the season. Um, if they can carry both of those things over, um, obviously turnovers are huge for any defense. Um, they're definitely going to rely on their young offense this season. Um, so they're going to rely on a couple different freshmen. Um, two highly regarded running backs would be Daniel Ngata and Diamante Trayanum. I think that's how you say his name. Um, both of them are going to be fighting for that. Number one, our uh, running back slot. Um, so you're going to have some friendly competition in the team. But How do you know it's to be friendly? Well, I mean, you'd hope it's it, you're on the same team, so it should be friendly. But um, yeah, they, I think there's a lot of promise to the team. It's just whether or not it all comes together uh, without the spring ball and with limited practice and everything. Yeah, uh, it, it is going to be tough. Um, luckily, they play Arizona right off the bat. Uh, I think Frank Darby can kind of step into that. It's He was pretty promising last year. He tied Ayuk on the team with eight uh, touchdown uh, receptions and only, I think, like 31 receptions, too. Um, averaged almost 20 yards a, a catch. So he'll step into that role. I think he's a pretty talented wide receiver. They got Johnny Wilson, uh, one of their top recruits from this past offseason. He's a 6'6". Um, wide receiver he'll step in there and get some playing time as well um like gibble said they have a couple talented uh young freshman running backs that'll step into the mix uh and then they bring in zach hill who was uh over in boise for the last several years as well who i think will improve the offense a bit as well uh with daniels so um the big question i have with the wide receiver group they did lose uh wide receiver coach uh rob likens who left for miami this past offseason who was a big help for them getting guys like Ayuk um and Nikhil harry to where they were and being featured uh nfl draft prospects so we'll see how that affects the wide receiver room but they did recruit pretty well in the wide receiver category this past offseason um so there's going to be a lot of youth on that offensive side. The other big thing is just keeping Jaden Daniels upright. But uh, he, he, again, he he's a quarterback with a lot of promise, uh, and it's going to be very exciting to watch for years to come here. Uh, my second question with Arizona State, will the addition of longtime Cincinnati uh, Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis as a co-defensive coordinator end up helping this defense uh, take another step forward? He 
joins uh, former NFL linebacker Antonio Pierce here um, as co-DC is down there for Herm Edwards' staff. What is this coaching staff turning into? Well, like, Marvin Lewis was he was actually like an an analyst or something for him last year. Now he's officially on the the coaching staff. So, I mean, I think anything Marvin Lewis t- touches turns into fire. So, and not in the good way. Um, but you know, maybe he helps out. I mean, he does have a lot of experience coaching the NFL. But sometimes, you know, it's flipping back and forth. It doesn't always translate. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Herm Edwards obviously has done a good job there. We'll say Marvin Lewis will do a fine job. Uh, Kevin Mawa is uh, an analyst on the offense. Didn't realize that looking up their coaching staff right now. Yeah, I'd imagine that Marvin Lewis is going to be a benefit to him. Um, the experience alone is is massively helpful. And that being a co-defensive coordinator, um, I feel like he can rely on Antonio Pierce, who's been there a little bit longer, um, to kind of get into the groove of things, even though he's already been there essentially for a year um, as an analyst. I, th- I think I think it's a good fit. Um, I feel like he'll work pretty well with with Herm Edwards and everything, too. Derek Hagan is the assistant wide receiver coach. They're just uh, funny NFL players and NFL coaches. Man, that's a bummer, too, because I remember when the Dolphins drafted him, I was so excited. I thought he was going to be a, a great wide receiver, and he was a bust. Uh, it was a bummer because he was fun to watch college, too. Um I actually, I'm the polar opposite take of Jake. I think Marvin Lewis is a, was a very good head coach for a long period of time in the NFL. So I think this is a great addition to um, Herm Edwards' staff here uh, in terms of improving a defense that was in the second half um, or in the bottom half of the country defensively last year. Um, and I think they'll make some improvements. Uh, they have quite a bit of returning starters on that side of the ball. So uh, I think they'll take a step forward here. And I, I do think they can challenge for the uh, Pac-12 this year if, if everything kind of melds together. To be fair, I only think of like the last three years when I, of Marvin Lewis's Bengals tenure. I don't really think of like the first like 12. You know, the ones yeah. with uh, Ocho Cinco and Hushmanzada. You know, Who's your mama? Years. Yeah, I mean, anybody that can consistently be above 500 and the God, the, the hellhole that is uh, Cincinnati. And that organization, uh, hats off to him. But, yeah, I mean, and they always had a consistently good defense there. So, yeah, I think that'll help. And it's, yeah, just more on the Herm Edwards, like, essentially running this as a as a pro football organization um, down there for the Sun Devils. Um, all right, let's go over to the Cal Golden Bears. They went 8-5 and five last year, 17 returning starters, 9 offensively, 8 on defense. Offensively, they ranked 117th in the country last year. Defensively, they were right there at the half mark with 65 or at 65. Um, if he can play a full season, uh, how big of a step forward can Cal take with Chase Garbers? Well, they can't win the Red Box Bowl again because the Red Box Bowl isn't playing this year. So that's a very big, devastating news. Gibble, you forgot to cover that. Uh, I think Cal can actually play pretty well. Um, I mean, they only averaged 17.4 points per game in their first uh, eight games, but they eventually got into a groove and they're uh, to close out. They finished with almost 28 points a game. 
you don't need to necessarily score 40 points a game in the Pac-12 to be successful. I mean, obviously, it helps scoring that many points. But Garbers, I think, can be an upper quarter of the uh, Pac-12 quarterbacks because there isn't a ton of returning guys. I think he can easily put himself in that upper echelon and really help Cal get over the hump they, they have a good defense we saw that last year you know they beat uh well they beat washington early in the season and when nobody saw it because the game ended like three o'clock in the morning with all the lightning delays and there was nobody there so i think cow has the tools to be successful i think wilcox is a really good coach so it wouldn't shock me if in their 10 game season if they win six or seven games especially if garbage can get it going Bringing back 17 returning starters is, I think, massive. Uh, You bring back your entire offensive line, your starting quarterback, and running back, and all of whom were very productive last year. Um, If Garber stays healthy last season, those four games that they lost in a row in the middle of the season are winnable games. Um, And I think that's all. That's the majority of the time that he was out for the last season um they're definitely a strong contender to win uh the pac-12 this this season um they for sure have the tools to do it and and i think their skate their schedule is kind of up and down with opponents like they have it's kind of they start off with oregon state then have usc washington then you have wazoo um, so they, they, it's kind of up and down with the strength of opponents. So, um, it's pretty well balanced for them. Uh, so it, it should keep them kind of focused throughout the whole year. They shouldn't really have any, uh, we don't have to be as hard on the gas this game just because the opponent's softer. Um, so you, you might not get any kind of a lull game in the season for them. Yeah, I think, uh, if they can get a full season of Garbers here, I think Cal's in for a pretty good year uh or at least putting up a fight with a lot of teams uh once he went out last year that offense was atrocious to watch um unfortunately defensively they do lose uh, a couple key figures evan weaver at linebacker um jalen hawkins at safety as well as ashton davis their other safety so there's some uh key figures there on defense that they're gonna have to replace so that'll be something to keep an eye on but uh with wilcox as the head coach i'd expect him to have a pretty decent defense yet again uh and probably moving forward as well all right colorado buffaloes five and seven last year 15 returning starters seven on offense eight on defense uh, they were 83rd in the country on offense, 104th on defense. This is the second brand new head coach in as many years. Carl Durrell comes in, former wide receiver coach for the Miami Dolphins, also former UCLA head coach in the mid 2000s. Um, what are and really probably how low are your expectations for Colorado in 2020? They're really low because Mel Tucker obviously dipped out, went to Michigan State. Uh, I mean, they do return a fair amount of guys, but like you said, they went five and seven last year. So they have a little bit of talent, but you have no spring practice. Carl Durrell was, I mean, he was okay as a head coach. Um, He wasn't anything to hoot and holler about. Uh, They don't have a favorable schedule, really. They start off, they go out the shoot with Oregon, so they're going to lose that one. They get Utah, we'll see what they have. 
you know, their fourth game of the year is USC. Their fifth game is Arizona State. Their sixth game is Washington. They only have one real winnable game, in my opinion, the first six. So, I mean, two wins. If you can get to two wins in this schedule, you know, you got to call that a success. Yeah, my hopes aren't very high. I'd maybe give them three. Um, assuming Utah is kind of bad at, at most, I think three wins for them. But losing Steven Montez and LaVisca Chenault is massive for them. Um, two huge playmakers. I, it's it's going to be a, an uphill battle for them for sure. When you, just lo- kinda- when you return 15 guys, but you lose your star quarterback and your stud wide receiver, it almost yeah. feels like you lost more. Yeah. It also depends how badly Oregon demoralized them week one. Cause if you lose like, they're going to get hit with a truck. Three, yeah. You lose 60 to three. That is a very, very bad way to start. And, and it's tough to bounce back from that. Yeah, I don't have super high expectations for them. I have pretty low ones. They do return a couple key, uh, pretty talented guys. Uh, Nate Landman at linebacker, Mustafa Johnson on a defensive line. So uh, those are good. Katie Nixon at wide receiver as well. It's really going to come down to the quarterback position. Um, if they can, if whoever steps in as a starting quarterback, um, you know, can play successfully, I think Colorado can maybe upset a team here or there. Um, they played a lot of close games last year. Um, and if they can kind of turn the tide on some of those losses that were pretty close, who knows? Um, Carl Durrell, you know, it's been so long since we've seen him as a head coach in the college football ranks that, uh, you know, who knows what he's going to look like now could be entirely different. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Colorado is one of those teams with Arizona that we've gone over so far that I, I place in the bottom of the, the pack 12 and, you know, maybe they can pull an upset here or there, depending on how, uh, things shake out with that team. All right. The pride of the Pac-12, the Oregon Ducks, 12-2 and last year. They won the Rose Bowl over Wisconsin. Um, Ten returning starters, four on offense, six on defense. Uh, Offensively, they ranked 40th in the country, defensively 22nd last year. Uh, What will Oregon's offense look like under new offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead and a new quarterback for the first time in several years? So Tyler Show is supposed to be Shao Show. I don't really know how to say his name yet. Uh, supposed to start this year. Uh, obviously, you lose a guy who was there for 25 years in Justin Herbert. Uh, but the Oregon fan base seems to believe that Tyler Shao Show, I don't know how to say his name, is going to be just as good, if not better. I mean, they do bring in Anthony Brown. I would not anticipate Anthony Brown starting. You do lose. Um, CJ Verdell did go pro, didn't he? No. Okay, never mind. Then that's huge. Never mind. For some reason, I thought he went pro. He was good last year, and he was a running back, so I just assumed he went pro. Uh, Even though, like, five of the guys that are similar to that just decided to come back for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, so bringing back Verdell is huge because that having a running back that you can rely on is always huge with a new quarterback, especially to help get them started, even though they're going to beat the snot out of Colorado to start the year. Joe Moorhead, we saw what he did at Penn State. He can run an offense. He had Trace McSorley and was able to make them look like a coherent offense and made them a pretty powerful offensive team. Uh, I don't know what show can do running the ball. Uh, that's one thing that Moorhead, he likes to get his quarterbacks to move. So if he can be a little mobile, I know Herbert wasn't a runner but could move. I mean, he could run, but he wasn't like, a Justin Fields or a Jalen Hurts type runner. Uh, 
if he can do that, this could be a pretty explosive offense this year. I could see them ranking the top 15 for offense this year. They're going to be able to move the ball. I mean, the defense is going to get them the ball back. They're going to Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be one of the top three defensive ends this year. Um, they brought in some stud, stud dudes on defense the last couple of years. So they're going to have the best defense in the Pac-12, like without question. Yeah, my expectations are always high for Oregon. They've, I mean, they've just proven that they deserve to be at the top of the Pac-12 every single year. Um, yes, losing Herbert is big, but they seem pretty high on Tyler Show. We're just going to go with that as the pronunciation here. Um, not to mention Panay Sewell is back at left tackle. Oh, yeah, uh, how I forget him. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> a disrespect. Arguably the best offensive lineman in the country. Arguably uh, the best player in the country. Yeah. Well, as an offensive lineman, they don't get as much respect. No, but, but he could be anyway, the best player in the country. Yeah. I mean, him on offense and Thibodeau on defense, like both are absolute studs. Um, so there is a ton of talent on this team. Uh, their schedule, I mean, every game is winnable for them, and I think they go into that expecting it. You start off with Colorado and Wazoo, so you should probably have two wins right off the bat. Um, then Arizona State and Oregon State. Um, so the first half of their schedule is probably easier than the second, um, but I, I, I still expect them to be winning the Pac-12, if not in contention for the like being the runner-up, essentially. The one thing with their schedule that's going to be huge for them is they lost four offensive linemen, everybody but Penesul. And having a schedule of Colorado and Washington State to start the year will give those guys a chance to get reps before they play Arizona State, and then they should beat Oregon State before they get into the meat of the schedule with Washington, Cal, and USC. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, I'm predicting right now before we get into it, I, I think Oregon, and this is largely going to depend again on the offensive line and how the quarterback position plays out. I think Oregon might go undefeated this year. Um, looking at the schedule, they, they, their five road games, only two of them are against, uh, opponents that had winning records last year. And that's Cal and Utah. Um, they get Arizona state on the road. Washington State on the road and Oregon State on the road. Um, and everything else is at home. So they get USC at home. They get Stanford at home, Washington, Arizona State. Um, extremely winnable. Tyler Show, I can tell you right now, has been working out this offseason with a quarterback coach and Brock Purdy. Uh, so expect big things from the Oregon well, offense. Season's over. Pack it up. <laughs> 0 and 10. <laughs> so, so expect things, big things here for the Ducks this year. They're like you mentioned, they lose, uh, they lost 222 career starts on the offensive line. The good news is you said it might be, I'll say it right now. Panay is the best player in college football. Um, if you don't think offensive line is fun to watch, go watch Panay play because it is exciting. Um, so uh, at least at the left tackle spot, they are solidified there. That should help. They get those two uh, pretty winnable games off the start. Um, defensively, there's so much talent on this team uh, with Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, 
a couple other defensive backs as well. They got two of the best linebackers in the country coming in from this past recruiting class and Justin Flo and Noel Sewell. Um, so there's a lot of talent to, to like on this. Uh, Mario Cristobal um, continues to do a great job recruiting, especially for the Pacific Northwest and pulling guys from around the country to come up there. Um, so, yeah, it's largely going to come down to the quarterback spot, and if Show can succeed, I think they'll be all right there. They did bring in Anthony Brown, uh, a grad transfer from uh, Boston College, uh, to, to back him up. And I really liked what Joe Moorhead did at Penn State. Uh, as much as I'm a Penn State hater, I'll sit here and admit, I, I thought he was a really good offensive coordinator. I thought he got kind of shafted with the Mississippi State thing but um, and not really given enough time there, but... Uh, I think this is a, a coup in terms of a, a coordinator pickup here for the Oregon Ducks, and they'll get to go to a more spread offense um, with running the ball uh, with the quarterback, which we saw a little bit more of uh, in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin with Justin Herbert. Um, so I think Oregon, it's very possible this team ends up going 10-0 and uh, in this shortened season, which is probably what they need because they play in the Pac-12 and they won't put them in the playoffs otherwise. So um, expect big things for the Ducks this year. Uh, and going to their rival, the Oregon State Beavers, uh, no longer the Civil War, uh, they, but they play for the Platypus Trophy, so that's nice. Uh, 14 returning starters for the Beavs, uh, six and eight last year. Offense ranked 58th in the country, but defensively they were 108th in the country. Uh, can the Beavers continue to take steps forward uh, even after the departures of Jake Luton and Isaiah Hodgins? I mean, you lose, like you said, you lose Hodges, you, you lose Luton, you lose three guys off the offensive line. It's going to be, it's not going to feel like a step forward this year, but I think they will. I don't know if you'll necessarily see it in the win loss column, but I think you'll see it in development of players because playing a 10 game schedule. Uh, just Pac-12, you kind of lose your bye games. You lose the games where you, you, know, you should win and you know fluff up your schedule and try to get to bowl eligibility. Playing Cal, UCLA, Utah, Oregon, and Washington out the shoot. If you can steal two of those games, you're going to feel pretty good. If you can somehow manage five wins this year, that's a really good year for Jonathan Smith. Because I like what he's doing. I think he is building something good at Oregon State. I think he is building something that with sustained success where they can get to bowl games every year. At Oregon State, I think that's what you need to strive for. I think you need to strive to get to seven, eight, nine wins every year and build sustained success. And I think he is doing a very good job. He is the right guy to do it. I don't think he's just going to leave. He was a former quarterback. He's been there. He took Oregon to, what, the Fiesta Bowl, I think it was. Oregon State to the Fiesta Bowl in 2000 with uh, Ocho Cinco on the team. So I like what he's doing. They're going to have to figure out some answers to the offensive line. They're going to have to figure out some playmakers. Uh, they're going to need to figure out who's the quarterback. You know, there's a, there's a lot of question marks on this team. Uh, but they do return a couple guys like Tegan Quintanaro. I can't I forget it. Gibble, you say that name. Nope. Okay. Uh, they do return a couple guys that I think will be helpful. Um, you know, it's year two under uh, Tim Trebasar. Why does everybody have an awful last name in the Pac-12? <laughs> so 
I think sound like Gibble over here. I know. Not the only one. (laughs) The one thing is they do return. Why is everybody Hamaclar (laughs) Rashad Jr.? Why is everybody? Why does everybody have weird names? But he set a record, a single season record for uh, sacks and tackles for a loss in twenty seventeen or twenty nineteen. So that's good for them to have him back. Yeah, if I I agree. I don't think you're going to see a ton of improvement in the win loss column, um, especially with a Pac-12 only schedule. Um, two positives that they can hopefully carry over from last year: they only gave the ball away six times on offense, um, and also were able to convert 33 uh, of their 39 trips inside the red zone, red zone into touchdowns. Um, if they can continue that success uh, this coming season. That'll be big for them, uh, although losing Luton and Hodgins is not helpful in that. Um, so we'll see what they can manage. Uh, I wouldn't expect their record to be 500 or above this year um, just because of the state of things. But um, you bring back Jamar Jefferson, who's a, was a pretty fantastic running back last year. So they... They at least have that going for them. They should have a, a continued successful running game. Um, it's just that question mark at, at quarterback is going to be who fits in there and how well do they play out in the first couple games. Um, I mean, you start with Cal, which is probably a loss. Then you go to UCLA, which is, a, a would say, a good warm-up game, the second game of the season. So, Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think this is. A, I think this has to be sort of a write-off year for Oregon State. You obviously want to get to you know four or five wins if you can, um, but with everything going on, not having those um, early games and stuff like that, you uh, you lose Portland State, Colorado State. These games early on uh, that could sort of help your program move a little bit forward. Uh, but with the, the replacements at quarterback there, Luton threw 28 uh, touchdowns and only three interceptions last year. And Hodgins, who was such a dynamic wide receiver. Um, there will be questions offensively. I do think Jonathan Smith's a pretty good head coach and will continue to get things turned around there. Um, I think this is a team that if those things can kind of fall into place and you can get quality play at those positions where there's a lot of youth and stuff like that, they have a talented running back in Jamar Jefferson. Um, uh, I think they'll be able to upset a team or two. I think, again, though, you're looking at probably four or five wins for the Beavers this year, hopefully. Uh, but any, you know, maybe three, who, who knows. But it's sort of a write-off year. You kind of get through this coronavirus thing. You know, you're obviously trending upward, so you don't want to, like, make a rash decision. Decision. decision holy crap. Um, in the off season. um, and stuff like that. So uh, you kind of take it. You hope you can get an upset here here down the line and, and move forward. But, yeah, I think four or five wins is probably what you're looking at for best uh, case scenario for the Beavers. Uh, moving to the Stanford Cardinal, four and eight last season. Offensively, they were 97th in the country. Um, 93rd defensively, very unstanford like here. 13 returning starters, six on offense, seven on defense. Can Stanford rediscover the running game in 2020 to help them get back above 500? 
You know, one thing that's crazy about Stanford is they have Davis Mills, and he was the top-ranked quarterback in the 2017 class, the same one that had Tua in it. So there's obviously talent at the quarterback position, and they have another one of the best offensive linemen potentially in the country with Walker Little. So they should be able to run the ball with Drew Dalman and Foster Sorrell. Again, everybody's got weird names in the Pac-12. Uh, and then they've got another five-star freshman coming in, Miles Hinton. So they should be able to run the ball. It doesn't matter who's behind them. Uh, they're bringing in Emmett Smith's son, EJ Smith. So they're going to have talent back there. It feels like this is going to be a rejuvenation of Stanford football, kind of back to the early 2010 seasons with the uh, Christian McCaffrey, or if you look at when Bryce Love was there, or if you look at when Toby Gerhardt, you know, all the running backs that have come through Stanford in the last 10 to 15 years, it feels like there's a chance that this is going to come again. But it also feels like Stanford might be past the prime of what they were. Uh, I can't decide which side of the fence I'm on with that. Yeah, I feel like this team has a lot of promise. I feel like they're going to be trending upward this year. Um, I think I'd expect them to do better than three and six. Um, having KJ Costello injured last season definitely didn't help him. Um, but like you said, Davis Mills is a very, very promising upcoming quarterback. Um, I feel like he'll be able to take over the reins and with a full season, I think you'll see, a, an improvement out of the team. This one, as opposed to Oregon state, you could see, uh, in the win loss column, I, I'd, I feel like expecting a 500 season from them is pretty reasonable, even though they start off with a probable, probable four losses. Uh, Washington, Arizona State, USC, Cal. I mean, uh, you could steal one or two of those. Um, they got to figure out a way to steal one to make their season successful because if you start off 0-4, you're going to not have any hope for the rest of the year. Yeah. So, I mean, you could see that, that there's – the potential for it, you bring back um, like three wide receivers that uh, from last year, um, you bring back some productivity, you bring back a quality quarterback and you have promising up and coming running backs. Their, their offense should be good. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say that they are able to gel even without the spring practice definitely hurts. Um, so I, we'll see what happens. This, this one, I feel like I, I'd be more inclined to give Stanford a positive outcome uh, as opposed to Oregon State. Is Davis Mills the most Stanford quarterback name ever? He sounds really smart. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think in the win-loss column, they'll uh, get a, a bit better this year, at least 500. Um, it, it does really come down to the run game. They get Walker Little back, who was injured last year, uh, but opted to stay and come back another season. He's projected first round talent at the offensive line position, uh, as well as getting Paul on Debo back at uh, cornerback for them on defense is a pretty big get as well. Uh, if Davis Mills can take another step forward. He was one in five as a starter last year, but uh, his numbers were, were pretty good um, in hindsight. Uh, but if he could take a step forward, I think there'll be uh, a pretty challenging team. Um, uh, 
but yeah, again, it's going to come entirely down to the running game here for them. And don't forget, they get their kicker, Jet Toner, back. So one of the best names in college football. So um, yeah, Stanford should be an interesting year for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely comes down to they if they're running the ball well, which again, Walker Little being out last year probably hurt that a lot too. Uh, they should be okay moving forward. Uh, the UCLA Bruins, another team that went four and eight last year, 10 returning starters, seven on offense, three on defense, offensively 65th in the country defensively. And I put this out in a tweet earlier this week, half this over half of this conference sucks at defense, apparently 113th in the country last year. Um, what are the odds that Chip Kelly and the Bruins can break through to 500 or better in 2020? 15%. That's what I'll give them. 15%. Uh, higher than I expected. I don't like the odds. I think UCLA, I don't think they'll be the worst team in the Pac-12. I think that's going to be Arizona, actually. I think Arizona or Colorado is going to be the worst two teams in the Pac-12. Uh, so UCLA, they're a mess because DTRs started two full seasons you really haven't seen them get too much better. They had that incredible win against Washington State last year where they were down some ungodly amount of number, like 40 points or whatever, 30-something points. or It was like 50-something to 19. Came back, won the game, and then like threw up a, a awful game after that. I forget what they did, but I'm pretty they sure lost they lost. Arizona next. And it wasn't pretty, I'm pretty sure, either. Uh, it was only 20-17, to 17, but still... Yeah, they scored 17 points after scoring 60 the week before. Yeah. So DTR has not necessarily made the progress that people would have hoped, especially with the Chip Kelly offense that everybody remembered. He's not running the Chip Kelly style. He's running at Oregon where it's the super fast pace, get guys up and down the field, get everybody in open space. Um, You know, they do bring in a transfer from Duke that they're hoping can help with the run game. Um, So we'll see. Their defense hasn't improved. Chip Kelly's defenses have – he's always had to rely on a good defensive coordinator, and it just seems like it's not working out in UCLA. Um, everybody has this idea that UCLA should be a good program, but UCLA historically actually is not a good football program. Uh, they're not that football-centric. They're much more basketball-centric. So I don't think they'll be much better three or four wins at the most. I think Chip Kelly will save his job because of everything going on, but I don't think it'll be enough to improve what people are hoping for in year three of a Chip Kelly era. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't really see a whole lot of improvement out of them. Uh, the one positive positive for their season is that they are the only team in the PAC 12 that avoids playing Oregon this season. So they have, Maybe one less loss. Um, the yeah, I don't I don't see them taking a huge step forward. I remember last year we were all pretty high on DTR. Uh, I think Jake qualified him as a potential Heisman contender. Can we not uh, talk about my Heisman contenders last year? Uh, no, we have to bring them up because they, your takes they, weren't they great. Were awful. <laughs> I hope um, I listed Joe back. Burrow. I, I need to go back and list, find out if I listed, listed Joe Burrow. And I, was I, I think we all shit on Joe Burrow last year, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I don't think any of us were super high on him, if I remember right. But, yeah, I think 
DTR needs to take a bigger step forward this season if uh, he's going to really prove everybody wrong with that. that's now doubting him. He had flashes of being really good, um, but overall not not exceptional. I mean, he did throw for 2,700 yards um, and 21 touchdowns, So, but like 10 of them came in one game. So take that for what you will. Yeah, uh, I don't expect much from UCLA either. Um, I took a bite of the apple last offseason, and I got food poisoning from it. So um, I'm passing again on UCLA again this offseason. DTR, pretty decent quarterback, uh, especially midseason. After that Washington State game, I thought, oh, things are finally clicking. Like, you know, after this, they're going to come out and be good. And I I believe they ended up losing, like, the next week. So, yeah. yeah, no, I'm out on UCLA. I think they'll probably be one of the bottom four teams here in the conference, uh, give or take. You could probably put them, Oregon State, uh, Arizona, and uh, maybe Washington State in there as well, and Colorado, uh, and kind of mix and match where you think they're going to end up uh, by season's end. But um, yeah, not doing this again. Don't think it's happening. Don't think they're getting to 500 this year, especially without any um, you know group of five games or uh FCS opponents. Uh and now to their rival, uh the USC Trojans, eight and five last year. Seventeen returning starters, eight on offense, nine on defense. Twentieth ranked offense in the country last year, seventy-eighth on defense. Uh a typical air raid team uh in that regard. Um what's USC's ceiling and floor for twenty twenty? Ceiling is undefeated. Floor is five and five. So we have a pretty big gap here. They definitely are going to score. They're going to put some points up. Um, they, like you said, they return a bunch of guys. They, uh, they were 101st in allowing gains of 10 yards or more. So, like you said, Pac 12 sucks at playing defense. They've got playmakers on offense with Keaton Slovis. Um, They've got Stephen Carr back. They've got uh, uh, Armand Round St. Brown. Brew McCoy is expected. Kyle Ford is expected to play a role. They're going to have a bunch of guys that are going to get the ball, and they're going to make plays when they have the ball in their hand. But nobody knows if Clay Helton is the right guy or not. People were pretty sure he was getting fired last year, and then he's back again. This year, if he doesn't, if he doesn't win nine games this year, nine out of ten, I take that back. If he doesn't win eight out of 10, he's getting fired. If he goes seven and three, somebody will pony up the money and he'll get fired because this is, feels like it's a long time coming, but they have the talent where they could go 10 and zero. honestly. Yeah. I think Clay Hilton's seat is less hot than it was. Um, Only I mean, because of COVID. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's still, I mean, he did, he did well with what he had last year. Um, he was basically halfway out the door before the season started. It felt like, and then managed to pull an eight and five season out of his ass. So I think, I think he's, he's got something going. Um, but this season I think is probably make or break for him. Like you said, if they, if they go, I, I think I'd give him seven and three um, at worst. If, if to, for him to, to keep his job. Um, but the schedule is, it's relatively favorable 
to them. They have um, their their toughest game in the first half of the season is Cal. Uh, the rest should win, be wins for them. Second half of the season, they have uh, Oregon and Arizona State back to back, and then Washington to end it. So, so if they can really get things moving in the first half, they should be in a great spot for the second uh, to, to really keep the momentum going. Um, I, I think I'd expect them to have the eight or nine or 10 wins. Um, Oregon games. I mean, that one's always going to be a toss up for them, but they have the talent to win. Um, it's just whether or not it actually comes together this season. Yeah. Uh, I think the floor is probably six wins. Um, if things kind of fall off the rails, if they don't get any, uh, defensive help for him uh or if uh slovis gets knocked out which he did a couple times last year um that's probably the floor i think the ceiling is 10 10 and 0 i i think my prediction right now would probably be nine wins i don't think they'll beat oregon but they also have a pretty favorable they're in the same boat as oregon um that it's pretty favorable. I think two of the five road games are against teams that were above 500 last year. They get uh, UCLA, Stanford, Arizona, Oregon, and Utah are on the road. Uh, everything else is a home game for them. So um, pretty favorable in that uh, regard. It's going to really come down to can their defense take a step forward. They brought in Todd Orlando from Texas. Um, this off season who didn't exactly have great results out there. Um, but there is a decent amount of talent on the defensive side of the ball. So if they can get that together also offensive on the offensive side of the ball, they lost Austin Jackson to the NFL draft. Um, and they already had issues on the offensive line. Uh, JT Daniels went down in the first week of the season and then Slovis got knocked out of two games and he also left for parts of two games. Um, so it really is going to come down to if the offensive line can do that. If if they can keep him healthy, uh, they should be pretty good this year. It's a very exciting offense. One of probably the best wide receiver core in the Pac-12 and one of the best in the country if I had um, – were to say so uh yeah usc should be pretty good this year uh eight nine wins is where i'd i'd probably project them out right now uh the utah utes uh 11 and 3 last year nine returning starters seven on offense only two on the defensive side of the ball uh offensively they ranked 48th in the country last year defensively they were second uh how big of a step back do you anticipate utah having this year I mean, I think it's going to be pretty significant, but that's because they were nearly in the college football playoff last year. You lose Huntley, you lose Zach Moss, you lose Jalen Johnson, you lose the big three of your studs on that team. And there's no obvious replacement. At quarterback, you're choosing between Jake Bentley from South Carolina and uh, redshirt sophomore Cameron Rising. So you don't necessarily have that squared away. Bentley was he was okay at South Carolina. He was nothing to rave about. I think he could certainly do the job at Utah. I think he would probably do well. Uh, I don't know if he'd be, a, he definitely wouldn't be as good as Huntley. Um, Rising might be the best option because you would get multiple years out of him. Losing Moss, you don't necessarily have a guy just sitting in the wing, just as good as Zach Moss. And you don't have a Jalen Johnson just there. Uh, I think that they're going to still do well. I'm not sure that they're going to win nine games, though. Uh, I think that you could see them getting back to six or seven wins because 
Kyle Whittingham has proven time and time again he's a good coach. They have a very, very favorable start to the year with Washington State, Colorado, Oregon State, and UCLA, and then Arizona. So they could be 5-0 and after their bye game. And they finished their last five games with Arizona State, Washington, Cal, USC, and Oregon. So it's very backloaded. So they should be 5-0. and And then I could see them stealing two games out of those last five and finishing 7-3. and Yeah, I feel like that's, that's a reasonable expectation for them. Um, maybe a little bit high because they lose almost the entirety of their, or their defense. Um, and I think their defense was what got them halfway through i mean their offense was pretty fired last year uh they returned brian thompson who's definitely one of their better skill players uh wide receiver um but losing huntley's big um and losing losing bradley and a who was their career sack leader yeah so there's there's a lot that they're losing um they don't have spring practice I, I feel like 500 is a reasonable expectation just because they're they're coming off of that high of a season, even though their their last two games were both blowout losses uh, to Oregon and Texas. Um, definitely not a good way to end the season. Hopefully they don't carry over uh, or really have, I guess, a hangover from that those two losses. Um, if they can rebound and win their first five games, they're all winnable so that they would put them in a good spot. But I, that last stretch of five games is, is going to be rough for them. Yeah. Um, there'll be at least 500. They're not going to go below 500. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure with how many players they have to replace on defense and not having uh, a typical off season. I think that, that, those winnable games early on against an offense like Washington state or something like that, they, they could potentially slip up there. Um, also offensively losing Zach Moss, um, Burton Covey who's coming off of a uh, red shirt year after uh, some injuries in 2018 uh, and a new quarterback. Um, so those are winnable games early on, but also ones I could definitely see them slipping up um, with. So I definitely think, their floor for this year is 500 uh, being five and five, but I think they'll probably win six, seven games tops. Uh, I, I don't see much more than that for Utah. Um, this is another one that it's kind of a wash year. Um, you don't get those early on games um, with, you know, BYU Montana state. Uh, unfortunately, they aren't going to get a chance to travel to Laramie and lose to Wyoming like Missouri did last year. Um, but yeah, so, it's going to be a, an interesting challenge for Utah, but um, they should probably go six to six or seven wins this year. If I had to guess uh, the Washington Huskies, uh, 11 returning starters, four on offense, seven on defense. Offensively, they were 79th in the country, defensively 35th uh, new head coach, Jimmy Lake, their former defensive coordinator uh, steps in after Chris Peterson's abrupt uh decision to step down from the head coaching role. Uh, how will the loss of Chris Peterson and bringing in a new quarterback affect the Huskies in 2020? This is always tough right now. Always bringing in a new coach and a new quarterback is a tough situation because you never know what to expect out of either of them. You always like at least some consistency from one of them. Unfortunately, that's not how it is for Washington. Um, 
Jacob Sermon is, I guess, who will get the first shot at it. Um, six foot five, two hundred thirty-five pounds. He should um, play well, I would hope, but I, we don't know how Jimmy Lake's going to run the offense. He's a defensive-minded guy. We don't know if he's going to just give the full reins to the offensive coordinators and let them do it. We don't know if he's going to have his hand in the mix. Um, Jimmy Lake was highly sought after. He stuck around at Washington because he thought there was a chance that this would happen one day. So he could have left and went to a different program, but he wanted to stay at Washington. Um, he, they're going to play good defense. Um, Washington has started to uh, build that where they're getting more talented players in there. Ever since Chris Peterson got there, they've continued to get a rise in talent. Um, they're not at the level of an Oregon yet, but they have made the playoffs like Oregon. I think for this year, it's almost just like a test year for Oregon or Washington to see how it is. You know, they start with Stanford and Arizona, so you hope that you can at least steal one of those. I think the ceiling this year is a winning record, um, but I don't think you should get discouraged if you only win four games this year. Yeah, uh, Washington is the other team in the Pac-12 that seems to reload pretty well, um, just like Oregon does. I I feel like their their ceiling um, with the way their schedule is shaped up. I think it, it seven wins is probably uh, a good ceiling for them. Um, I don't think they're beating USC, Oregon. Um, and probably Cal this year. So seven wins uh, would be a good season for him. Um, they start the season with Stanford and Arizona should win both, but I mean, the Stanford one's more up in the air than Arizona probably. Um, so I, they, they, their last game last season, I mean, it's a sending off game. Um, they just blow Boise state out of the water, but I, I, hopefully that momentum carries over into this season for him. Yeah, I think uh, the questions really rely heavily on the offensive side of the ball with the quarterback spot. Uh, you know, they lost uh, Savit Ahmed, uh, their uh, starting running back from last year, as well as Aaron Fuller and Hunter Bryant, their two leading receivers. Um, so there's definitely going to be a lot of issues offensively. Uh, defensively though, I think they're going to be pretty good again. They have a really good, uh, defensive back room with Elijah Molden, uh, and a couple of those other guys back there as well. It's Joe Tryon at the linebacker spot as a rush, uh, rush edge, uh, up front. So I think defensively they're going to be good and they'll keep them in games. It really is going to come down to how the offense comes together. Uh, assuming they pick the right quarterback, um, and if they can get uh, pretty solid play from you know the skill positions there as well, so uh, it's going to be an interesting team. I don't think they'll this they're they're much like Utah. I don't think they're going to be below five hundred, especially because of that defense. Um, but I think eight games, eight wins is probably the highest you're going to see for Washington if everything clicks correctly uh, for the Huskies. Uh, and lastly, the Washington State Cougars, six and seven last year, 13 returning starters, six on offense, seven on defense. Offensively, they ranked seventh in the country last year under Mike Leach. Defensively, they ranked 111th. Um, 
offense should be pretty similar under Nick Rolovich and his running gun system from Hawaii. Uh, but can the Cougs get anything out of their defense to contend with, uh, contend in single games, not full season uh, against top conference opponents? That was one thing during Mike Leach's entire tenure at Washington State. Their defense was hit or miss. Uh, they went through a phase where they had Alex Grinch there, and he actually did pretty well. Uh, reason he ended up leaving, going to Ohio State and then Oklahoma. Um, they do bring in uh, Jake Dickert from Wyoming, who only allowed less than 18 points a game, second fewest in the Mountain West last year. Uh, but one of his uh, strengths was containing the run, which was happened to be the weakness of Washington State last year. Um, obviously, bringing in a new, as we said previously, a new quarterback and a new head coach you never know what you're going to get uh, i feel a little more comfortable with this one because of the similar systems that they were comfortable with and what they're going to run here it looks like so far that uh cam and cooper is going to get the first crack at it uh, the systems they normally play are very quarterback friendly it allows them to put up a lot of stats we saw that with anthony gordon we saw that with um why am i blanking on his name the dude the jaguars now yes gardner Minshew. We've seen this with the guys at Washington State. They're very quarterback friendly and allows them to pass for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, score a lot of points. So uh, they're not complicated throws. It puts guys in space. And I think whoever wins the job, they're going to continue that trend. Um, maybe not as much as Anthony Gordon and Minshew because those two guys are really good. And it's, these guys will be a little bit younger when they come in. But it should help with long-term continuity. Yeah, I would expect similar results to last year. They went three and six in the Pac-12 last season. Um, you have one more game. I it wouldn't be. I feel like they should expect to be in about the same spot, mostly because of bringing in a new quarterback. You don't know exactly how he's going to do, along with new head coach. Um, this team has a lot of question marks for me. I just feel like they that you don't know which direction they're going to go. They're either going to react really well. Um, but it's, it's similar to what they've been running. So defensively, they, they return a lot. Um, I feel like they definitely need to improve, uh, on their defense. Um, they had the worst, um, three and out percentage in all of the power five, uh, tied with UTEP for the worst nationally with a, uh, 20.6% of the drives, they force their opponents to go three and out. Uh, so their de- defense definitely needs to improve. Uh, that's kind of their biggest area because offensively, like you said, the the offense is going to stay consistent with the scheme and everything. Um, it's just that defense has to be better. Yeah, I don't see it this year. Uh, in fact, this year is one where I I chalk it up again as a wash for Washington State, depending on how things go. Um, I think Max Borgie is going to be a pretty fun guy to watch, especially in this new offense, uh, which, which will give him a little bit more focus, I believe, uh, than Mike Leach's did. Um, and depends really what happens at the quarterback spot. Uh, whenever they end up getting Jane Delora into that position as being the starting quarterback, a four-star freshman that they brought in uh, from the same school that Tua and I believe a couple other Hawaiian uh, quarterbacks have come from recently. 
um, whenever he ends up getting into the lineup, whether it's this year or if they decide to redshirt him and wait until next year, I think that's when things you, you start to look up and start kind of moving forward for Washington state. So, uh, it's going to be hard. I don't expect a ton of, um, results this year uh, on either side of the ball uh, for them. But I think maybe that offense can get an upset here too down the road, but um, that's probably about it. Cause that defense is, is not going to be a whole lot better than it was last year until they start improving players on that defense. All right. And that wraps up our pac 12 preview. Uh, Jake, why don't you take us to an ad break here before we get to the mountain West? Absolutely. You guys know we absolutely love Schmack Apparel. I got my uh, Rock Chalk Drink On shirt when I was in Kansas City last week. I wore that around. I made some friends. I made some enemies. Made sure to tell everybody that Mizzou sucked. You can absolutely get one for yourself because Smack Apparel is the industry leader in unlicensed college and professional sports. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, onesies, and more. Their funny shirts are often seen on big screens because they stand out from boring sports gear that other fans choose to wear. From their college shirts to professional apparel, they have no shortage of creative gear for your favorite team. Whether you're looking for the perfect shirt for a big game or if you want to find a great birthday gift or holiday gift for the sports fan in your life, choose Smack Apparel. Make sure to use promo code WALKON for 20% off your next order. All right, a quick preview of the Mountain West. Not going to spend a ton of time on this like we have for um, the other group of fives here. But um, the first question really is, can anybody give Boise a fight in the Mountain West? Again, we don't really know what's going to happen with the Mountain West this year. We haven't heard anything. So um, just kind of going about it, looking at it the the normal way um, with what's currently on their schedule, I guess, within conference. Uh, obviously, who knows what's going to happen? They may still, I believe they have Florida State on the schedule. That could still potentially happen. We'll see what happens there. But within the Mountain West, can anybody give Boise a fight for the championship? This year, I don't think so. I, I think it's still Boise's uh, conference to lose. I mean, you could see some injuries like last year where they struggle. Uh, but... Boise State has been doing this for like 20 years at this point. They know what works. They know how to do it. Uh, I would still have Boise at the top, and you got to knock off Boise if you want to win. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't see them renouncing their their claim. Um, currently, it looks like Wyoming and Air Force would be the the two logical ones to knock them off. But nope. I just don't. I don't see. Don't be talking about that school with the W on here. Well, I mean, we're in their conference. So we're we already talk talked about, about Washington. We're way past that. Already. No. <laughs> they brought that issue up earlier. Yeah, I, I, I think if any team's going to do it, it's going to be one of those two. Um, but I, this year, I don't think it's that year. Hank Bachmeyer is—he got injured last year, and he was a freshman. But he's just going to continue to get better. Yeah. Yeah. I um I think Boise Boise State will end up um winning the, the Mountain West regardless of what happens. I do think there's some teams that could give them a a run for their money in singular games. Um Air Force again is one. I think there's a lot of talent there with Donald Hammond at the quarterback spot. Um and a few of the other guys they have there uh for Air Force. Um and they, I think they played pretty good defense as well last season. 
Um, Wyoming, I don't know if they have enough firepower offensively, and uh, they do lose some some key pieces there defensively. Uh, Logan Wilson, uh, that could affect them there. And San Diego State uh, plays, uh, you know, if they can get an offense that actually resembles a 2020 offense in college football, I think maybe they also play pretty pretty stout defense. So those teams, I think, could give them a run in terms of singular games, but in terms of the full conference, probably not. Um, I think it's probably Boise's year yet again. Um, my other real statement here is, is Mountain West just the bizarro ACC or the AAC? Uh, and I bring that up because when we talked about the American conference, um, you know, it's a lot of fun offenses and a lot of shitty defenses. Uh, the Mountain West is just a lot of shitty offenses and a lot of really good defenses. Um, and it just feels like the bizarro uh, American athletic conference. Yeah, it feels like the AAC that doesn't get the attention because there's talent out there. I mean, after Boise State, um, schools like Air Force and Nevada and um, like San Jose or San Diego State, you know, there's definitely talent out there, and they, they put a bunch of guys in the NFL. Um, they had three teams win ten games last year or more. So, I mean, Brady yeah, Hoke I mean, is back at San Diego State, so who knows how that'll go. Full circle, just like Brady Hoke. Brady, Brady Hoke is a full circle. That, that was my point. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to clarify. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're good teams. Though. The problem is there's the East Coast bias, and it exists. It absolutely exists. And, you know, playing in states like Nevada and Utah aren't going to get you national exposure. Yeah, that is very true as well. I always say I've I continue to say it. I think it's the most scenic uh conference there is. You get all those various West Coast places from the where there's nothing in New Mexico the whole way to where there's nothing in Wyoming. Um so I mean there's a lot of different scenery and stuff out there. It's always fun to watch a Mountain West game. I just wish they weren't always played on CBS Sports at the worst station for sports. Um but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of stout defenses out there. You're seeing a lot of, you know, 25 to 17 games and stuff like that. But, um, and I think that's also a reason why Boise State is probably a lot to win again is just because they play the best, uh, off the best combo of offense and defense than, as, than anybody else out there. So, uh, also, Air Force threw the ball a bit more than Navy and Army last year. So, I mean, you know, throwing the ball a little bit so that's always nice um to see so uh yeah um we didn't do this for the pac-12 we'll actually run back to it but pac-12 who do you guys got for the championship so pac-12 uh i'm just gonna take oregon over usc because those are the two teams that i have the most faith in Uh, i think you could see cal sneak in there uh, if i'm gonna pick a dark horse but i think oregon over usc um, I'm going to pick Oregon and they're going against my Sun Devils. We're going with the bias, uh, but unfortunately we're going to lose in the championship game. And that is picked solely off of bias. It's fair. Uh, fair. Uh, yeah, I'm going Oregon US over USC too. I said it before. I think Oregon might end up going undefeated here. I think they'll beat USC twice in that occasion. Um, I just think their talent level, uh, both at the, 
the coaching position and at, you know, ever pretty much across the board, minus probably the quarterback spot, uh, plays pretty favorably for Oregon, um, going into that, especially against the rest of the conference. Um, now the mountain West, what do you guys got for that? So I'm going to Boise state winning it. The West part of this conference is a toss up because, you know, you have a bunch of new coaches, um, and there's a lot of turnover. I mean, screw it. Brady Hoke did well the first time there. We'll say that he loses to Boise State in the championship. He comes back strong. I'm going to take Boise State to win it. And with no logic behind their opponent, I'm going to take Hawaii. Because the Rainbow Warriors are great. Um... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll actually, I'm not picking Wyoming. I know that's surprising. I just feel like we're going to all have the same thing here. So I'm actually going to take air force over San Diego state. Um, just, you know, got to give it to the triple option and, and watching that play, but just to be a little different, uh, cause, uh, we're all going to end up with the same teams winning the same conference back and forth. So take uh, air force over San Diego state here for the mountain West. All right, Jake, send it over to you. What kind of listener questions we got? We had a couple listener questions this week. We'll start with the first one here. Uh, This is from at the goat follower, uh, loyal follower. Everybody should go follow him too. Uh, It says, can can USC turn it around? They could easily be the Clemson, the Pac-12, if they had a good coach. Send it over to you, Aaron. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I think they need to get a good coach because right now what's happening is Oregon's getting closer and closer to being the Clemson of the Pac-12. Um, in terms of both recruiting and what they're doing on the field. So, uh, USC needs to turn around quickly and that's very much going to rely on Clay Helton. Uh, and if they can turn around this year, that's a good sign because right now we're they got to start closing that gap on Oregon because right now Oregon's shown a, an ability and I'm seeing it with a lot of like the top fives, top threes from guys in Florida and across the country in various regions that have Oregon. Um, you know, they're recruiting very well, uh, you know, as far down as Florida and California, they again grabbed one of the top linebackers in the country in Justin flow last year. Um, so that's a big thing that USC has to hit on too, is, is getting recruits to come in there. So it relies heavily on that coaching staff, um, starting with Clay Helton, because I think what's going to happen is Graham Harrell's there. He's, you know, depending on what ends up happening with him, but he's going to be able to get offensive guys in there, but you know, you got to recruit the whole way around and, and close the gap on Oregon. If they had the consistency, I could see them doing it. Um, and by consistency, consistency, I mean at the coaching position, um, they just, they've had Clay Hilton, but it's been a, is he staying or is he going for the past few years? Um, if they have the talent there, uh, to be a good team, they were historically, uh, the Clemson of the PAC 12, I think, um, it's just been more recently Oregon's taken over that slot. Um, I think they they just need to make a decision on Clay Helton. Like, are they going to roll with him for a few years and actually keep him there? Um, or do they just need to cut their losses and move on? 
because I think that's going to help them in the recruiting side of things. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, they're going to have to do it sooner because Oregon's going to be there. And if they don't, um, Oregon could run the Pac-12 like Clemson runs the ACC. Uh, the next one, this was a weird question. I didn't really see anything about this, but this is from Bo Caldwell. It says, how do you guys feel about the possibility of the Pac-12 and Big 12 merging together? So we're getting a little weird today. Um, go ahead, Folsom. Uh, excuse me, what? Uh, <laughs> um, I haven't heard anything about this. I don't like it. Um, you know, His main I, concern was Texas playing at 10 o'clock at night. Not anything else, just Texas playing at 10 o'clock at night. Well, you should want Texas to play at 10 o'clock at night because then nobody has, nobody will make jokes about them. Um, also, it gives bad. you longer time to drink. Uh, God, don't do that. So, so bad. You can black uh, out while watching them and it'll be okay. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't, again, it's not something I see happening. Um, I always thought, you know, if you just wanted to merge into like four super conferences, you're more than likely going to end up seeing, maybe you see some big 10 teams break away in different divisions uh, since that conference is down to 10 teams already, but um, uh, probably not. Uh, I think if you, if the, if the big 12 disbanded and they ended up going to like four super conferences or something like that. I think you're more likely to see Texas in the SEC than you would the Pac-12. Uh, I don't think there would be a merger uh, between the two necessarily. I think the Big 12 would just splinter off like it, like it did a couple years ago when they splintered off already once. We need West Virginia in the Pac-12. <laughs> just thinking about that it's, from the same Boise State in the Big East all over again. West Virginia in the Pac-12 makes no sense whatsoever. That means every single game they're flying to like Oregon and California and Washington. Um, It's just funny to me. What do you have any say on this? I mean, not really. Yeah, it's dumb. (laughs) You guys got it. All right. This is from Paul Rach. Uh, It says, What's the worst record a Pac-12 South team could have and still make the championship, in your opinion? So we'll go on a ten in, on a ten game schedule. What do you think the worst record they could have and make it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, without doing any actual research on this, I'd say probably like five and five. They all just kind of cannibalize each other. I don't know. Uh, maybe six and four. Um, I yeah, guess. My guess was going to be like six and four. I don't have the mathematics in front of me to to, to run the simulations on this. Give old math. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't math. Yeah, you're an art major. Come on, do right. some math. Right. I learned. I got a D in my math class. So you you learned how to use a ruler on a stencil or whatever the hell you use. I don't know. Right. That's that's what I did. <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah, let's say six and four is just the lowest anybody could have. I, I, five and five feels a little bit too low. Six and four, um, realistically, I think seven and three makes the most sense. But I guess some team could be six and four, and just every team in the north just beats the crap out of the teams in the south, and then everybody just beats up on each other in the south because they all suck. Uh, from Drink Local Beham says, "How do I watch the Pac-12?" Yeah, stay up until 1030 and hope you have Fox Sports 1 so that you can catch Oregon State versus Washington State play a 50 to 55 game. 
until three o'clock in the morning East Coast time. What if they're on the Pac-12 network? Then you're SOL. Well, that network doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. What are you talking about, Jake? That's not a that's not a network that exists. You know, I've seen teams play on there, but I, I don't believe it. I think they just don't play in front of fans or any spectators. So it's like if a bear shits in the woods, did it actually happen? No, it's a bear tr- tree falls in the woods. That's what it is. So a tree falls in the woods. Did anybody hear it? Yeah, I mean, a bear shits in the woods. It still shits in the woods. You're going to step in it eventually. Somebody does. So, a tree yeah, falls in the woods does it still make a sound? Yes. I mean, that's that's the wrong one because a tree would still make a sound. Um, but the Pac-12 network just doesn't exist. That's a, a false fairy tale that uh, that conference continues to try to peddle on us East Coasters. <laughs> the new saying is, if you played on the Pac-12 network, did the game actually happen? No, I don't even think the games actually happen. I think they just run a simulation on what if sports and just hope that it gets a logical conclusion uh what if sports i missed that website so the last one we have here is how long before nick rolovich wins the apple cup from ryan poffenroth oh uh, that's tough because if i'm correct mike leach didn't win it mike leach never won it yeah uh i don't know it's gonna be hard uh it's gonna come down to quarterback play and they also have to get a better defense because those are two schools that are in Polar opposite directions in terms of what they're good at. Uh, one's offensive heavy and one is defensive heavy and question marks on the opposite side for each. Uh, but I think Wisconsin, or not Wisconsin, uh, Washington is um, much better off talent wise. So I, maybe within five years, if you're lucky, it depends really on if Rolovich is a good head coach there and if Jimmy Lake is a bad head coach at Washington, I guess. I mean, who knows what's going to happen this year? So maybe the fluke happens and it's this year, but I would not expect that. I think I'd, I'd give me a year. Probably. Give, give me an exact year. Um. All right. Let's say uh, twenty twenty seven. What? Man, he might not be there by twenty twenty seven if he's not winning the Apple <laughs> yeah. Cup. Nick Rolovich is not so, winning the Apple Cup in 2027 because he won't be there if it takes that long. It's true. He'd get fired by then. Uh, let's say he wins it in four years when he's on the hot seat then. 24. All right. I'll say two or three years that he wins it. Not this year. It'll either be probably three years from now is my best guess uh, when Jaden Delora is probably taking care, taking over. All right. Uh, that's all for listening questions, listener questions. Yep. Correct? That was the last one we had. All righty. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. We will be back next week to finalize the preview one. Hopefully we have full SEC schedules. We do at least have an idea of what they're doing. We'll be tackling them and the fun belt next week. Um, so stay tuned for that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at walk on red shirts podcast or walk on red shirts on Twitter. Um, and then make sure you subscribe on uh, wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple, uh, whatever, uh, and give us a five-star review on Apple podcast, kind of bump us up, uh, let your friends know about us here. Uh, hopefully fingers crossed, we're going to have college football this season. So we have something to talk about because who knows what we're going to do if we don't. Um, so thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you next week.